what works and what doesn't. Understanding what works. What works for me. Understanding your own business to know what works. What works for you. This is What Works. A couple of months back, I read a downright beautiful article about systems. Yeah, you heard that right. A beautiful, thoughtful, and useful article about systems. It was written by Danello Meadows, an influential environmental scientist and leading thinker on systems change in the 20th century. The article outlines 14 principles for dancing with systems. But today, I want to focus on the first, which is get the beat. When we talk about business systems, it's easy to default to software, automation, or project management. But a system is really much more organic than that. And if we don't allow for a system's inherently organic nature, we miss out on really understanding that system in order to work with it, to dance with it. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that makes business make sense for small business owners. Meadows explains that a mistake we so often make when we approach systems is that we see understanding the system as a way of predicting and controlling its output. She writes, the goal of foreseeing the future exactly and preparing for it perfectly is unrealizable. Now I get that that might be frustrating, especially as we see data and the ability to instantly connect with customers as modes for the ultimate in business predictability. But it can also be a relief. If the goal of understanding systems isn't to control them or predict their output, but to dance with them and learn from them, then we don't have to be so hard on ourselves. And that brings me to Meadow's first dance step. Get the beat. The mistake I see business owners make with systems is that they try to impose systems on their businesses. They create or build systems for different areas of their businesses. But that negates the systems already at work in a business. And inevitably, trying to create a system instead of investigating a system leads to frustration. Meadows writes, before you disturb the system in any way, watch how it behaves. So let's say you want to work on your marketing system. If you start with a blank page and start building something from scratch, you're missing out on all of the data and feedback that already exists in your marketing system as it is now, whether you know it's a system or not. If instead you map out your existing marketing system, no matter how haphazard or messy, you can start to ask some really interesting questions about that system. How did we get here? How else could this work? What might happen if we don't make a change? What are the long-term ripple effects of allowing this system to continue to play out? How does a proposed change impact other components of the system? This is getting the beat before you start trying to dance. You tap your foot, bob your head, move your shoulders, and feel for the beat of your own business's systems. And then you can start to dance. This month on What Works, we're taking a look at systems, and we're going to do that in very concrete and structural ways. But we're also exploring systems thinking, 
which is another term for dancing with systems. When you bring a systems thinking approach to business strategy, management, sales, marketing, and even the creative process, how does that shift your decision-making and action? Now to kick things off, I wanted to start with a conversation from my own team, the Yellow House media team. I asked Sean McMullen and Lou Blazer to talk with me about the systems they're using to manage the podcasts we produce and how they're organizing that in ClickUp. Now, moving to ClickUp was absolutely a case of getting the beat first. Sean had to pay close attention to how our podcast hosts worked, what was different from the way hosts who are always on deadline versus hosts who work ahead approach their work, and how software was either adding or removing friction from the process. Sean and Lou talk about all of that and more. So let's find out what works for managing projects at Yellow House media. Lou and Sean, welcome back to What Works. Thanks for joining me today. So we're going to talk about systems and podcasting and the systems that I I would like to say we use at Yellow House, but it's more like the systems you two use (laughs) at Yellow House. Uh, And specifically, we're going to talk about um, managing those systems with a tool called ClickUp. But before we get into the specifics of why the Yellow House team switched to ClickUp, how you manage systems in there, what it's allowed you to accomplish with the systems that we use. I just want to talk generally about why systems are so important to creating a great podcast. And Lou, why don't we actually start with you? I'm curious from your perspective as a podcaster, not even so much as a producer, why are systems so important to the way you produce your podcast? So the way that I think about it, I think the systems and what I when I'm talking about systems, I don't necessarily mean automated systems. So I'm going to use the the small s systems now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has helped me stick with my podcast really uh, because there are so many things that needs to get done to release a show, to release episodes with any sense of consistency. And there are so many tasks that need to happen in a certain order. And is that if you don't do it in that order, that you may not get the results you wanted, or you may not get the episode out at all. And so systems allow me to stay on top of those things without taxing my brain power to remember everything um, and to be thinking every time, is this what it should be? Is this how it should be done? Or should I do it this way? And so that's, that's basically what my systems have allowed me to do. It alleviates me of that sort of stress when I am releasing my podcasts and uh, episodes, I should say. And it has allowed me to stick with my podcast uh, for the long <laughs> haul, which has, you know, I've just celebrated four years as a podcast producer a couple weeks ago. So there you have it. If, if I didn't have systems, I think I'd have pulled out all my hair by this point. Yeah. Well, that leads me to kind of a follow-up to has producing 
a podcast and having to invest yourself so much in systems to make that happen consistently, has that bled over into your business or other ways that you work? Yes. Um, so interestingly, before I started a podcast, I would have always thought of myself as uh, someone who was always thinking about consistency and always thinking about systems. After all, I was once upon a time a certified PMP, project mm-hmm. manager. So I would have thought this was kind of my thing. But actually producing a podcast a weekly at that time when I started the podcast, it was a weekly uh, podcast, new episodes dropping every week. And I realized that I was embarking on a, something completely uh, different, like a, at a different level entirely. And um, it taught me about newer, or not newer, but more effective and efficient ways of moving tasks along uh, the pipeline. And that has taught me how to, to do those things in my other work, because I also produce a weekly uh, newsletter. So uh, obviously, the things that I learned with producing weekly episodes definitely helped me um, have that same sort of discipline and um, <laughs> I don't want to say rigidity because that's not the word, but there's, there's, a, there's a cadence that you end up mm. following when you have a system. And that's definitely helped me with my weekly uh, production of my other content. Yeah, we could do a whole separate side episode on systems for newsletters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we'll focus on podcasting for today. Um, Sean, you have a different sort of perspective on podcasts because you are not yet anyway, a podcaster yourself. Um, but you see podcasters working across many, many different shows. So for you, in your experience, from your perspective, why are systems so important to creating a great podcast? I'd say to start off with, I think that systems are almost important regardless for a consistent result, whether it's a newsletter or it's a podcast, or with my background in restaurants, giving good service to a table as a server. It's the repeatable processes, SOPs, that result in a good experience, a good product, a good content. And I and to just echo everything that Lou just said, being able to create more space in your mind so that you can put it towards more creative endeavors so you don't have to hold every moving part in your head and that causes anxiety and stress and to be able to put it away somewhere and trust that it's there ready for you when you need it and it will remind you (laughs) when you need to do the next thing and also to that um, when you're doing interviews and you are working with other people you have to be reliable to these people you've invited to be onto your show as well. There's a certain responsibility you have to them to being where you said when you said you were going to be there, that the uh, guidelines and expectations are presented to them so that they don't have to feel stressed and anxious. And that also you put out an interview that is predictable for them so they can advertise your podcast for you. 
And themselves. <laughs> yes. Does that answer the uh, question? I think it did. <laughs> yes, that totally answered the question. And you brought up the the benefit of making that brain space, like Lou said. Um, but you also put that sort of in the term of it, it creates the space for creativity, which kind of echoes another thing that Lou said where when she decided not to use the word rigidity. <laughs> and I think that that is a common um a common obstacle or a common mental uh, obstacle anyway that people have toward building systems is that they think well if i'm following a system then it's going to be rigid i'm not going to be able to be creative i'm not going to be able to change my mind and i think Sean, that you do a really, really good job of helping people see how systems actually create space for creativity as opposed to shutting it down. Um, I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit more about how structure creates the space for creativity as opposed to kind of locking you into something you don't want to be locked into. Creatively speaking, in my experience, one of the biggest hurdles is mm, while coming up with the time to be creative is a big deal, coming up with the mental space to be creative for me is a much bigger hurdle. How can I quiet my mind so I can be with my creativity, so I can create? And... I really, I think that what Lou is saying about just creating more brain space is so essential because when you can trust your systems, you can put them out of your head. And then that creates time for you to fill your head with more creative things, right? It is so funny to me that there is this idea that systems and processes and that they are rigid and we were... I mean, growing up and even now, we encounter so many people who are, I'm a creative. Don't tell me when it, sorry, to both of you, don't tell me when there's a deadline, due dates and blah, 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 blahs. But, um, <laughs> but man, does it free you up. And so that when, and I just love that when you, when you go to commit yourself to something, creatively speaking, whether that's for your business and content creation for your business or something completely separate from the business or something completely separate from the podcast, that you don't have to feel like you're playing hooky when you're doing when you're being creative. You can fully be present and not feel guilty that you're cheating, that you're stealing time, that someone that there's a thing you should be doing instead of what you're doing. And to just have that freedom of just being with your creativity for a little while, stress-free, is such a huge thing. Let's get to the subject of the day, which is how these systems are set up in ClickUp. Now, when we started making the move to ClickUp at Yellow House Media, people were very concerned that we were moving on from Notion in general. And I just want to let everybody know that what works still runs on Notion. My life still runs on Notion. I still do everything myself in Notion. But Yellow House Media needed a different tool um, because for lots of different reasons. So, Sean, what got you thinking about making the switch 
to click up from Notion in the first place. We'll even take a step further back from that because the movement from Asana to Notion. So I watched that transition and we built all out all these processes in Notion that I was a part of, largely built on the systems that were built in Asana. And this is at What Works. Yeah, at What Works. And they're great. The systems that have been built out in Notion are so good. And I know, Lou, still you still personally use Notion for yourself, don't you? Yeah. And nothing against Notion whatsoever. But I think it really came down to, in the end, the right tool for the right task. And Notion is a database. ClickUp is a project management tool. I would say that if you are running one podcast, your own podcast, Notion would be completely fine. But when you start running 15 podcasts, <laughs> Notion becomes a nightmare. And the reason is, is there's just way too many moving parts. You know, you have due dates that are due for every client, every podcast for every episode, and then uh, dates you have to track for every interview, for every subtask. And so what happened is, is we just weren't tracking subtasks because we just couldn't. Because time, every time any one date would change, we would have to manually adjust every other date after it everywhere else. There was no way for it to sort of propagate itself. And... We have uh, our client, Susan Bowles, who has the fabulous podcast, Break the Ceiling. She's a big uh, ClickUp user. And so I was already using ClickUp with her and was somewhat familiar with it. And I think with her kind of poking fun at me and being like, you got the wrong tool there, buddy. Uh, eventually, <laughs> I looked into it and made that change. And I've been very happy with it. Yeah. So you mentioned that, you know, it was really a situation of getting on the right tool for the job, or in this case, like 15 jobs every week um, that we're trying to do. That makes me think that there were particular features in ClickUp that you were really excited about or that you were really looking forward to leveraging as part of that move. What were some of those features that allowed your systems to move more smoothly? The the one tool that is very, very specific, and I don't remember exactly what they call it in ClickUp, but say we have an episode for for whatever podcast, and we uh, with Lou's help, we have kind of concentrated down our subtasks per episode down to, what is it, Lou, 11 tasks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like the core subtasks that every episode goes through. There are other things that we won't, but but we have identified that that's the core group. What we can do in the templates is we can, we can build backwards from the air date of that episode backwards and know when every subtask is going to be due. And so we can build a template with that base, with that built out backwards. So, so the dates are relative. Relative to the air date, yeah. So if the air date is a Wednesday, well, the show notes are tasked out to be done two or three Wednesdays previous to that. And they're always due two to three, you know, whatever that case may be as we've set it up. And same thing with editing, same thing with promotional material, same thing with downloading the intro and outro. You know, all of these things are relative to the air date. So 
we can apply a template of subtasks to an episode and they automatically adjust to the air date. But beyond that, which is great, right? But beyond that, the biggest strength is say I want to change that air date. Well, I can I can have I can change it to like three months into the future and all the subtasks will be changed relative to that change. This is a massive game changer for us. And that is absolutely something that Notion cannot do. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, when you have moving parts, you have to have a tool that will roll with the movement. As I always say, I like to hold my calendars and my plans loosely. And I needed something that was going to cooperate with that position. Yeah. I think, you know, with when we're talking about software and tools, it is so easy uh, to just get excited about a new tool, right? Like there's a lot of shiny object syndrome that happens with apps and tools and software. And I think you give a really good example of something that was causing you a lot of stress, taking up a ton of time with our old tool. And it was actually a problem that you had identified before you decided to make the switch to ClickUp. You were looking for a solution for that. And that, I think, is a key takeaway of how software and systems need to work together, is it's not just, oh, this is the new tool that everybody's using, or, oh, this is a cheaper tool that you can use. It's what are the challenges that you have with the tools you're currently using or or even the ways things are currently being done? And can you go out and find a tool that actually solves that problem or alleviates the stress or time that's involved with it? Um, and that's a very different, di- very different way than most people go about shopping for software. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Lou, let's turn back to you. I know you were a bit hesitant <laughs> with the move uh, from Notion to ClickUp. Can you tell me when it kind of started to gel for you and how you're feeling about the new system now? Okay, so I want to first put this in the context to understand kind of how it started gelling with me. So my issue wasn't with ClickUp necessarily. It's my challenge I have a challenge with my relationship with due dates and specifically (laughs) with automated tools that tell me when I have to do certain things. Like I really, really have an issue with waking up in the morning, looking at my daily planner and someone put a task there that I didn't put myself or like a bot put it there. Like I really have an issue with that. And um, like over the years, I have developed a set of systems for managing myself, (laughs) my tasks, where I have supreme authority (laughs) over what I do on what day and what time of day. And an automated tool like ClickUp is going to mess up with that system in a major way, especially because of what Sean said. I knew Uh that this was going to be the thing that was going to be designed into our new ClickUp system. And it's necessary to do it that way. But the fact that I knew that there were going to be subtasks and due dates and subtasks, that was giving me major agita in the beginning, seriously. And so a couple of things that I did, I think that helped uh, first and foremost, I talked with Sean about it. So instead of just like being, you know, 
pissed off on the sidelines or whatever. I just, I <laughs> really just told Sean everything and um, my quirks and all. And fortunately for me, Sean's just been really an easy person to talk to about the quirks and of how my brain works. And so it's been really easy to talk to and been understanding about it. So that's been great. But that's really been the most important thing is I talked, you know, I talked with him about it. Two, um, instead of fighting and avoiding the tool, I forced myself to use it every day. And literally in the beginning, it was a forcing issue. I like literally forced it because if I wasn't, if I was going to wait for me to just wanting to use it was never going to happen. So I just Mm -hmm. forced myself to use it. And then I just talked to Sean about my experiences. And in the beginning, Sean was probably going, what is the matter with this woman? Because almost every day I have a question about like, why is it doing this? What does it mean when it does that? Because it's not just a tool because the, 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 the design of the process is essentially Sean's brain. It's essentially an, a, a, you know, an interpretation of how he sees our world working. And so I needed to understand when it does this, what does it mean? Right. And so it's just constantly talking to him about that. And, um, you know, we've tweaked it some to make it work, you know, for, for all of us. Um, and most importantly, I learned how to, I appreciate the tool now because I've learned how to use it to complement my own processes. So I did not change my personal process. So it did not fix my issue with due dates and my relationship <laughs> with automated tools. Um, but what it, what I learned how to do is how to use the ClickUp so that it complements what works for me. And um, the only way that I was able to do that is by using it daily, by talking about it with with Sean all the time so that I could understand it better. And now, now I love ClickUp. Now I literally, I, that's, I use it every day. The other day I was talking to Sean, I was like, are you noticing ClickUp is doing this? And conscious, I don't know. I haven't been in it. And I'm like, how could you not be in it? I'm in it every day, all the hours of the day. How could he not be in it? But yeah, that's basically what's happened to me and ClickUp. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I, I know, as you know, and as everyone listening probably knows, I have the same relationship with due dates and automated things telling me what to do when. Oh, my God. If you want me to not do something, set like an automated reminder to tell me when to do it. And that's that's the best way to get me to not do something. I'm sure many ears perked up at the thought of there being an 11 step process like ooh what's involved with that <laughs> well let me tell you uh when i first started developing systems my my subtasks were more like 75 <laughs> and uh i think what i was trying to do was make sure that nothing was being forgotten mm-hmm. and i think that i just sort of i didn't appreciate the value of just learning and knowing that, you know, someone already knows and you've reached a point where you know. And so with Lose Guidance, we created what we call cheat sheets, which are basically just sort of, you know, where you go when you need to know, you're like, oh, shoot, what's the, 
what promotional material do I need to produce to make? I can't remember exactly what they are. They don't have to be in the subtasks. They exist in one place and they're always there if you need to reference them, right? So yeah, we solidified it down to basically it's in two chunks. Okay. We have uh, steps one through four are basically, so there's quite a bit that happens before Lou comes into the picture. When I'm doing guest management, scheduling interviews, there's some kind of back and forth communication with clients and, and potential guests leading up to that point. But as soon as an interview is scheduled, then this is before a actual air date potentially is even established. We actually have two templates that we apply. The first template is that they stack on each other is steps one through four. And that's send a reminder email, that's download the interview, start a script project, and download the intro and outro. And those are all sort of relative to when the interview is. Because we, you know, we need to remind, (laughs) right? We need to remind the the guest that there's going to be an interview. And then once that happens, it doesn't always, this is maybe a place where we could tighten things up. I personally could tighten things up a little bit. But that's when that happens, that's when we apply the second template, which is steps five through 11. Do you want me to go through those? Yes, please. Okay. Um, Organize for edit. That's gathering um, all the the all the bits and pieces and odds and ends that need to actually be utilized to up, to actually assign this episode to an editor that's selecting a cold open that's making sure that the intro and outro have arrived that makes sure that's that we have the correct uh CTA such things as that Second, the step after that, step six, is gather promotional material. That's pull quotes. That's a title. That's um, audiograms. This sort of varies from client to client a little bit, but we try to have it somewhat uniform. Seven is um, so okay. So after those two things are done, then we can actually assign. Uh, these different tasks to other team members. That's our editor and Emily, who's the fabulous Emily, who does our promotional material and writes show notes. Those things are sort of dependent upon everything leading up to that point. So then, and when and in ClickUp, there are statuses. And so when a certain status is changed on the episode, then everyone knows, all right, I can do my thing now. Um, so that's step seven, write show notes. Step eight is create promotional material. Step nine is edit the episode. Now, once all those things are done, we can then do step 10, which is upload and schedule. And that's upload to the host and upload to the website, again, depending upon the client. And then you're good to go until the actual air date of the episode, which is when we share all those resources with the guests. So we email the interviewee and the client and say, hey, the episode's live. And in that process, we also sort of do sort of a uh, quality control. We make sure that everything's actually looking like it's everything's functioning, looking like it's supposed to. And unless we hear back from a client or from an interviewee, we're done. And then the and then when once that task task subtask eleven is done, the episode goes into an archive and we're done. And then we move on. I do want to add that I have started to add one more task in there. 
that is sort of an unnumbered task because a lot of, and I would say this goes back to holding processes, processes loosely, is everything's in constantly in evolution. And so that sort of unnumbered task right now is for myself. There are a lot of clients who like to review all of this content before we actually publish it. And mm-hmm. so that means they want to listen to the episode. They want to read the show notes. They want to look at the promotional material. And so before I actually go through the effort of uploading or Lou and I go through the effort of uploading, um, we share that with clients. Not everyone wants that, but those who do, we share it with them before we publish. You'll hear more from Sean and Lou in just a minute, but first a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. It is the perfect time to simplify your business and your life. Creating content, building a movement, and leading a community, well, it's hard work. But it doesn't have to mean hassling with a host of software services, social media platforms, and customer management systems. Mighty Networks is the simple way to bring people together, deliver high-quality content, and spread your message, all while making your business easier to run, too. Mighty Networks combines key functions like building a community, online course management, content creation, networking, events, and payment processing so that you have an all-in-one platform for running your business. We use Mighty Networks to power the What Works Network. We offer behind-the-scenes look at podcast interviews, host members-only events, help members support each other, and facilitate ongoing conversations about important topics. It is so much simpler than the collection of apps we'd cobbled together before. Start simplifying your life and business while providing a top-notch experience to your customers with Mighty Networks. Get started free of charge by going to MightyNetworks.com. So being intimately familiar with the podcasting process, I can tell you those 11 steps or 12 steps even are Big umbrella tasks. Yes. <laughs> um, Lou, it sounds like you were integral in uh, creating the big umbrella task move. Why are big umbrella tasks better uh, for keeping the system working smoothly? So I think a couple of ways that I think about it. One is that a big umbrella tasks allow you some flexibility within the minuscule tasks inside it. Um, so, for example, a task that says organize for edit is a massive umbrella of, yeah. of a task. <laughs> um, and depending on the podcast itself, it could be... It could mean five things. It could mean 10 things. It could mean two things, especially when we're working on what works podcast. It's only two things. But <laughs> I, th- I thought I was going to be the bad one that oh, was no, like no, no. 15 things. <laughs> In the Yellow House Media world, the what works organized for edit is two things. But Excellent. with other podcasts, it could be 20 things or 10 things. So um, the umbrella task allows for that sort of flexibility. And the well, at the same time, it doesn't mean that you've created 
custom tasks for for different podcasts. That's not what it means. So it's the the steps that Sean laid out are the same across the different podcasts. It just means that it allows us to fine tune specific things within the podcast, depending on whether it's a solo episode or uh, there's a panel or there's an approval process that needs to take in place or whether the client needs or wants to be involved in the selection of a pull quote and things like that. So I think that's what an umbrella tasks allows us to do. Um, for me personally, because I am also a podcaster, um, it allows me also that um, ability to maneuver around the task without going back to my issue with an automated thing telling me what to do. It allows me to move around because I know what needs to get done. And also because Sean and I have talked about it before when we were still in Notion. So obviously we knew exactly what it means when we say organize for edits. Does that make Got sense? Got it. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think it's really, really helpful to folks who might be staring down a similar project with, you know, so many moving parts. Like I'm even thinking about like a launch uh, for an online course. There are so many itty bitty moving pieces with that. But when I think about how I'm going to build a sales campaign, it's pretty much broken down into about five steps. And those are the steps that actually end up in my task list, mm-hmm. task list for a week. Um, but they are composed of many different smaller tasks. And so just to kind of come full circle on this, Sean had mentioned that you have created cheat sheets for the different podcasts. So am I taking that to mean that um, each task essentially is its own process and that when that process is slightly different for different clients, there is a specific process for that subtask that is what customizes the way we do what we do for those clients for that podcast. Which you might yes. find on the cheat sheet. Got it. Yes. Yeah. Got it. So the the system for the for producing a podcast is the same across the board. It's those 11 slash maybe 12 steps. And then where the customizations happen are in the processes for each step. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of the nice things about having it set up that way is that the core process is static mostly and then those cheat sheets that's a dynamic resource and instead of having to like if one element changes so say we've built out content for a client for six months and it all exists with all these subtasks and all these due dates Mm -hmm. and all of these things in ClickUp and then we have to add or tweak like they want to do two uh pull quotes instead of one, or they want to do, you know, they want to add some element. Well, we change the cheat sheet as opposed to having to change every episode task elsewhere. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. everything references to one place. Awesome. I think that's going to be 
so helpful to people who are managing big projects, whether they have many big projects across multiple clients or whether they're looking at big projects that are recurring within their own businesses as well. It's very similar to how we at What Works do our events processes as well. And when I say we, I mean Shannon. Look how clearly clueless I am about the operations of both of my businesses. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, the way we do events is events occur every single month, recur every single month, and each event has its own little process behind it. But the events process is the same across that you're the big umbrella tasks are the same across every event. Okay, Sean, let's stick with you. I know that. Even with the absolute bestest systems, you're still going to run into friction from time to time. Sometimes that friction is internal. Sometimes that friction is external. When do you find uh, friction still occurs in the podcast production systems that you all have devised? Lately, it's been feeling pretty damn good. I have to tell you, (laughs) I would say that for me, the biggest friction point still comes down to we still have to communicate this information to the client and i have not really landed on a really great way we have found a good enough way to keep clients you know that when when things are happening what the editorial content is and how it changes and evolves and that they know what's happening is of an like utmost importance, but I have not found yet a hundred percent satisfactory way to communicate that to them so that they don't have to come to me to ask questions that there's a place that they can go that I haven't quite landed on. I know that in notion we had started to develop, to build out dashboards and I know that in ClickUp there is ways that we could do that. I'm not, I'm just not there yet. Mm-hmm. And, um, Right now, one of my biggest focuses is the customer experience, and I want to make sure that all of our clients know exactly what's happening when, and that's that's a place that I'm still working on. Yeah, that seems related, too, to something that we've talked quite a bit about, which is actually training our clients on what the system actually is, not that they need to know, you know, every teeny-weeny subtask, but that... We live and breathe these processes. They seem very obvious to us. We've been podcasting for a long time. And for our clients, they have no idea how it works. That's literally why they've hired us or one of the reasons they've hired us. And it can be really confusing and opaque to enter into this relation, into this working relationship and not actually know what's happening when and how things are evolving, even on a general level. Um, have you? Has that been something that you've been thinking more about lately or, uh, you know, as you're thinking about client experience? It's something that I've been thinking about from the very beginning. And that's actually one of the reasons why I think I landed on like 75 subtasks is originally I went down this path thinking that I had to be transparent about what was happening. Mm. And realizing as I was presenting a client with 75 subtasks, (laughs) 
they one they didn't need to know this but mostly it was overwhelming to them as it's like oh my gosh sean you're presenting me with all this junk that i don't actually need to know leave me alone right and uh in the end i've really just sort of landed on a good solid spreadsheet can't predict and in like a weekly update is about all that most clients really need they want to be left alone sometimes because all the reasons that we've created systems so that we don't have, so we have creative time. That's one of the reasons that they've employed us so that they have the creative time. They don't, they don't want me to leave, bother them with my problems. They're my problems. So <laughs> does, does, does that, have I answered the question? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting, at least to me to tease out this idea of we People want to know what's going on. They want to feel taken care of. They want to feel like these things are happening without their input. And also, we need this balance between communicating and offering transparency as it is appropriate and training clients on, okay, this is how the system actually works. Here's what you can expect from us on a weekly basis. And balancing that with not overwhelming them, not giving them so much information that it actually creates friction in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's not applicable maybe to every business where you're not working closely with with clients. But, you know, I think there's a lot of service providers who listen and that might be a challenge that folks are running into. So I, I, I think that's a really that's a really interesting point. Um Lou, I know you've done a lot of work with Sean on making the systems that we have run more smoothly. Um, we talked about moving from a, you know a laundry list of tasks to an umbrella list. What are some of the other things uh, that you've looked at in terms of improving these systems and making them run more smoothly? Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually, I honestly, I was. Um, I remember when I joined uh, the team, which is almost a year ago now, yeah. just about. Um, I remember Sean telling me that I'm one of the few people that he actually gets to geek out about project management processes, just as a general statement, and um, and that uh, that we could talk for hours about processes. Um, and, you know, and that we're both enjoying the conversation that we're having, um, geeks, nerds, but, yes. uh, <laughs> um, and he also shared that a lot of the processes within Yellow House Media that works has evolved or grew up from like working well with two or three clients. Uh, mm-hmm. but now we're probably ready to look at those processes with like a, um, like a, you know, refining them, but also redesigning them for a larger client base in mind. So not anymore two or three, but like, what if we had 10? Or what if we had 15 all at the same time? And so I think, um, uh, I mean, we started this even before we were in ClickUp and before, you know, when we were still in Notion. Mm-hmm. And I think just that moving away from custom set of tasks that we have been talking about to standard set of tasks, I think, I think Sean is one of my bigger sort of contributions, isn't it? I think that's just sort of like thinking about that because um, it's not just a matter of listing it down. It's actually 
thinking about it and then road testing it, like applying it to one or two or three clients first. Does this really work if we do it this way? And then rolling that across the board. And then I believe that a lot of those earlier things that we did in Notion were eventually what got baked into ClickUp now mm-hmm. and so i i you know, sometimes i look at click off and i go look at this i remember when it wasn't <laughs> like this you know and and now i it's think, all grown up i know it's grown up and i think that the process we have now sean i think it's okay to say this is that it's we're ready to take on a lot of clients because we have a system now that can actually accommodate you know clients you know, um, across the I board. agree. Different kinds of clients, yeah. different frequency, whatever, you know. And build out a larger team, too. Yes, that too. Yeah, I was going to say, exactly. and we're hiring. Yes, <laughs> that too. Because, <Exactly. laughs> it again, it doesn't matter how good the systems are. At this point, our capacity is limited by the people Uh that we have. And we're very cautious about overloading the people that we have as opposed to overloading the systems. The systems can handle Mm -hmm. a lot more, like you said, but we want to make sure that there's space and flexibility with all of the people involved so that no one is working at their max constantly. Um, And systems allow us to do that, but so does hiring. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, building the team is a really other, you know, it's just another important piece of this puzzle. And all of the work on those systems makes hiring much easier, too. So it's sort of, you know, it's a self-fulfilling sort of cycle here. Um, As we start to close up for today, I wanted to ask you both about kind of the personal work habits or routines or project management that you use to keep on top of just sort of work in general. So not necessarily and you know producing a particular podcast episode or working with a particular client, but is there a, a habit or a routine or a system that you use personally that makes your life easier? Sean? I think there's a whole bunch of them and I was trying to sort of land on what might what I've this is not a new idea, but I've really started this idea of thinking towards giving future Sean lots of gifts. So I am always thinking about like, what would future Sean really appreciate right now? And so that means things like, because I identified really quickly that Mondays were, today is a Monday, uh, hellacious for me. I was dreading them. And I was like, what can I do to change this? So I was starting to think towards what can Friday Sean give Monday Sean, right? <laughs> and that meant that anything that I could do ahead of time to prepare so for that re-entry on a Monday, because re-entry from your weekends, if you're like me who has a pretty clear boundary between work and private life, um, on weekends to weekdays, that reentry can be really, really jarring and was very jarring for me. And so what I started to do on Fridays when I was, I have sort of given up most of Friday to preparing for the next week. And that means 
making sure that when I open up my computer on Monday, everything is already processed and right in front of me. I already know what I'm doing. And then the other, then the additional thing that I've done past that is Monday, I don't actually assign myself very many things to do on Monday because I have discovered that Monday usually provides me with things to do. So I generally don't plan to do anything on Monday because it has just been the most fabulous experience to open up my calendar on Monday and be like, oh, shit, I only have like five things to do today. This is so great. And guaranteed, I'm going to work all day long because things are going to come up. But so that and... That's been really, really good for me. I love that you said you gave up most of your Fridays to plan for Mondays, because what that implies then is that you're getting four days worth of work done, or I'm sorry, five days worth of work done in four days just by focusing on planning for Monday. So it sounds like it's less stressful for you. It's more efficient. You're more productive. That's a really huge uh, like personal revelation, I think. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> Which, by the <laughs> uh, way, I do want to say, so to this, speaking of just like personal things that are project management systems and whatnot that have really made a big difference in my personal world, I want to testify that personally having moved to ClickUp, and it's not a 100% ClickUp response fault for this. It is also working with Lou and developing really fabulous SOPs that just having a system that functions like this with ClickUp's help, that I am not joking that I have added somewhere between six to eight hours of, op- I have freed up six to eight hours a week by not having to like maintain and follow every single little detail. Yeah, there's a a ClickUp commercial running on major podcasts right now that that is the value proposition of the ad. I know. Um, So we really need to contact them and see if we can also run that ad for money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sean, we had kind of alluded to this, but real quickly, can you tell the folks at home um, what you're doing with some of those six to eight hours that you freed up? Well, I'll be 100% honest. I try to take a nap every day. I have a chair in my office that is my nap chair. Um, I'm taking a lot of pointers from, I'm going to not rebel to remember her name, but the woman at the NAP ministry, who I, who I just love, um, rest as rebellion, rest as resistance. This is so great. Uh, so that, and then I'm an artist. And so I actually have, I have workspace for art in my office where if I have a little downtime or if I'm waiting for something to upload or whatever, I jump up and draw and do things like that. And I should take more walks. That's one thing I should do more of. Yeah, I mean, just life, you know, like yeah. I try to create this balance between my work world and my per- and my private world. But sometimes that's not the best way for me to approach it. I try to sort of like intermingle my own personal desires and dreams and wishes and things with with work while I'm working. And so not being able to be able to free up my mental bandwidth and not be frest- stressed out and anxious all the time just to be able to, I don't know, be me and have longer conversations with Lou about project management. It's been great. Excellent. Lou, any personal habit or routine uh, that makes things work more smoothly for you? 
well, my my routine is probably not the most effective or efficient routine on earth. But okay. <laughs> but because I am a kind of person who does not rely on automated tools to tell me what needs to get done, it's very very important for me that I sit down um, and I do this on Sundays to plan my week because I don't rely on automated tools. So I literally on Sunday morning, that's what I'm doing is I'm looking at my week and I'm saying, okay, what needs to get done? What do I want to get done um, on what days? And also what are the things that needs to get done this week, but not necessarily on a Monday or on a Tuesday, but just like a week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I've incorporated the use of our wonderful ClickUp because when I sit down and do that Sunday planning for myself, um, for all the parts of my life. So I do this not just for my work at Yellow House Media, but for all the things that are going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a portion of that time where I spend time on ClickUp and I look at my, our air traffic controller command center, uh, of ClickUp. Um, and, you know, okay, what are the things? And then I, pull that into my personal sort of process. Um, So that's kind of what I do on a weekly basis. Like I said, it's probably not the most efficient because probably people are going, well, you could automate that thing, but I don't like automation in that sense. So I don't. Um, The other thing is that um, I do, I do want to say this, um, that um, I, I remember Sean once upon a time said this idea to me about, uh, you know, we're kind of like air traffic controllers. We're like, we're looking at the planes and like what needs to take off, where, and you know, what position they need to be on the tarmac. And I really, really love that imagery because it really just describes very well our roles as production coordinators. And our ClickUp basically is a command center basically for all the things that we do and you know you would think that with all the episodes and all the shows it's going to be crazy and chaotic and overwhelming but it's not i have to say this with um thanks to sean with intentional design our click up is actually an oasis of calm really i'm not even joking it is really i love the way our command center looks now because it's it's a very calming thing and i think that's important when you're designing a tool because if you are designing a tool for lots of moving pieces you don't want your tool to add to your stress so mm. you want it to desi- you want to design it so that it's calming to look at and not stressful. Well, I am so proud to be connected in a small way to the systems that you both have built for Yellow House Media. And I really appreciate you both taking us behind the scenes of what those systems look like, how they work, the tools that we use, and how you think about them. I know this is going to have been such a helpful conversation for folks. So Sean and Lou, thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Tara. Systems aren't software. They're not lists. They're not linear. Systems exist whether we know it or not. They're organic, unpredictable, and ever-present. By really paying attention to the system as it works now, we can start to explore how shifting elements of that system might work better over time. 
but the dance always starts with finding the beat. Find out more about the work Sean and Lou do at Yellow House Media at yellowhouse.media. Next week, I'm talking with Coach Pony founder Christy Mims about her sales system. Specifically, we're talking about two very different sales funnels she uses to sell her program and how those systems dance with each other. I think you're going to find it fascinating, and you might also find it a cautionary tale about building the kind of business Christy has built over the years. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. Emily Kilduff is our production assistant. Marty Seafelt edits our episodes. And Sean McMullen is the park ranger that guides us through the backcountry of the wilderness of podcasting. What Works is recorded on the ancestral homeland of the Susquehannock and Conestoga peoples. The Yellow House is on the unceded land of the Kutunaha Nation. 